0: I'm excited that you're here with us today um, because we're kicking off a brand new series and you might be kind of wondering what is it all about with the really, really kind of goofy little promo and bumper and things like that. Well, I'm going to tell you the idea behind middle management in just a moment, but I I remember when I hear the words middle management, I remember a commercial that uh, played about 10 years ago for an ad online, like, recruiting service called Monster. You remember them? I don't even know if they're a thing anymore. Monster.com. And I remember this commercial, and they had this little boy in this kind of monotone voice saying, one day I hope to climb my way all the way up to middle management. You remember that? Some of you that are older, you're like. And um, here's the thing. I, I don't know if you're a manager or not. Like, you might be a manager uh, where you work. In other words, you manage people or they put you in charge of certain types of people or resources. You may be a manager, you may not. Maybe you're the the boss, maybe the owner, maybe you're you're, uh, just an employee. Here's what I know that a lot of us like the idea of being in charge. Once you get in charge, it's not as glamorous as you thought it was. I'm just going to tell you, especially young people, like, oh, one day I want to get to this, I want to be the supervisor, I want to be the manager, I want to wear, let me just tell you, it's not as exciting once you get there. I mean, it's great and all, but, but it's got its challenges. And, and here's the idea of middle management. Here's what I want you to hear today. And that is that when it comes to God, when it comes to spiritual things, here's what I want you to understand. You and I are management, middle management for God. You are a middle management. Manager, And I'm going to explain that. We're going to talk about what that means. And ultimately, here's what we're going to talk about through this entire series, okay? We're going to talk about a principle that, honestly, until recently, I never really kind of embraced how incredibly crucial this is for our lives. We're going to talk about a principle that I'm going to tell you I believe has the power to change your life. This series could be the most important series that you get to be a part of the entire year. It really depends on how you'll receive it, but I want to talk about the principle of stewardship, the principle of management, the principle of stewardship. Now, now, don't freak out because I think sometimes when we hear the word stewardship, immediately we start to think of uh, how it's been used in churches and other ways. Like we've heard of stewardship campaigns, right? We've heard of the fact that, like, there's that we, you know, there's. uh, uh, they're raising money for a building. Oh, there's, there's a stewardship capital campaign series. Let me put you at ease. We are not starting a stewardship campaign, okay? So don't freak out. Relax. Just everybody take a deep breath, okay? We're not, we're not starting that. In fact, I want to tell you what this series is not. This series is not a series uh, um, about finances to guilt you into giving more. That's not what it is. This series is, is not... About getting you to give to a building campaign That's not what we're doing In fact we had a building campaign And we're still kind of in process for build the house And waiting for our building to get going And many of you are giving And just a part of supporting the church for, for what's next That's not what this is about This series is not about making us feel bad About how we've been spending our money That is not what this series is about Can I tell you why I felt so strongly About doing this series Here's why When I look at at today's world When I look at Life, especially in America, I'm saying to those of us who live here, um, what I see is probably the single greatest stress that most of us face in our lives has to do with around our money. Let's just be honest. The single greatest stressor that I find in our marriages today often revolves around money. Arguments over money, how we're spending it, how much we don't have. The the single greatest stress that a lot of us have as parents is feeling like maybe we aren't providing well enough for our kids. The the single biggest stress you have as we get older in life is thinking, I don't know if I could actually retire. I don't know if we have enough money. And I just believe that the way God intends for us to live as his follower and as his children is not stressed but blessed. Amen? Come on, if you agree with this, amen. I really believe that... God desires to bless us. I I really do. You You know why I believe that? Because Jesus said it. Jesus said that you need to see God like a father and a father who desires to give good gifts to his children. God wants to bless his children. Just if you're a parent, you want to bless your children, God wants to bless us. Here's the problem. The problem is over the years, this idea of God's blessing has been manipulated, has been twisted, and has been perverted. Like, let's be honest, religious leaders have twisted this idea of God's blessing enough that we don't even want to talk about it. <clears throat> like, they've twisted around to where, you know, have either kind of said this, and, I, and I've been in this culture and I've seen this, that in order to uh, be close to God, you need to be poor. Like, you, you need to live without. Uh, you know, St. Francis and the Franciscan monks, do you know they have to take a vow of poverty? Because it's intended that I'll be closer to God if I have less. That is one form in which we've seen him talk about this. And I'm going to tell you, I don't agree with that. I don't believe that. In fact, I think it's a perversion of the gospel. That somehow you can get closer to God by having less. The only way you get closer to God is by Jesus. Amen? It's by his grace. And yet on the other side, we've also seen slick-haired televangelists, these preachers who have also kind of promised you that if you will give, then you'll get something. If you just give in, you just sow in, you just buy in, you just do this, then God's going to give you this, and God's going to give you everything you ever wanted, and God wants you rich. I don't believe that either. I believe that God is a God of provision, that God cares for us, and he is a God of blessing. But we need to understand what that looks like. And here's what I want for every single one of you as your pastor. Please listen. I want for you to walk in the favor of God when it comes to your life and your finances and your resources. And I believe that we can do that. I believe we can live in such a way. And I'm going to show you that through this series called Middle Management. Now, if you were here last year, we did a series called Overflow. I don't know if you remember that. And in that series, we um, gave out a book. It was a book um, called The Blessed Life by Pastor Robert Morris. I don't know if you, how many of you got a copy of that book? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you read that book? Raise your hand. Yes, not quite as many hands, but you know, it's like I read the first chapter. It was good. That book has really, um, has created some um, life-changing stories in the life of our church. There are people in our church that say that due to the principles that Pastor Robert Morris talked about in the book, I think it's a phenomenal book about understanding the principle of first fruits. It's about generosity, and it's about what happens when we put God first in our lives. Okay, That's kind of part of it. Now, what I want to do in this series is going to be different. And let me share with you a little bit of the inspiration by why I wanted to do this series. Uh, Pastor Robert Morris, and I just I love the content of his book and the way he told it. He came out with another book. Uh, he came out with a book. That I want to show you <clears throat> called Beyond Blessed. Okay, he did one called The Blessed Life. It's like, well, what do you do after that? I guess you just call it Beyond Blessed. I don't know. And uh, <clears throat> he, actually, he says that this book was meant to fill in a gap that he overlooked in that book. Um, he, he said, I, I kind of just assumed something about most Christians when it comes to our finances. So, in the blessed life, he talked about what do we need to do to put God first to experience his blessing. And it was super powerful. It really was. But generosity is something that can ex- help you to experience the blessed life. But then he said there's a whole other piece that's a two-legged thing, stand, a table, a horse, two-legged person, that, that it's not just about generosity, but it's also about stewardship. That what we do with the rest of it matters just as much. Amen. And so in this book, I just thought it was a phenomenal book. In this book, Pastor Robert Morris kind of breaks down and gets even more practical than the other one. It comes to how to handle and manage the resources and the finances that we have. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're not giving this book out. Oh, man, it would have been awesome if you guys gave this book out. I know. We've given some books out before. But you know what I find sometimes happens? We just hand out hundreds and hundreds of books. And, and some people read it, but not a lot of people I mean, there's a good number of people read it, but not everybody reads it. You know what I figured? I figured that if you had a little skin in the game, you'd be more likely to read it. So here's what we're going to do today at our campuses. I want you to hear this. We are going to be selling these books, but we are going to drastically, in fact, we're cutting the price over half. We're going to eat half of it. And so you can buy this hardbound book today that we had to pay over $14 a piece for for $7 on our campuses. Seven bucks. And I'm going to tell you, it will be the best investment. Some of you go, how oh, money's tight? We don't have that. Listen. Give up fast food for one day. Pack your lunch. I'm telling you the things that Robert Morris talks about, it was so inspiring to me and yet challenging at the same time. But it fired me up and it got me excited about about what it looks like for me to live a life of experiencing the blessing of God ongoing when it comes to how do I operate my resources, the finances that God has put into my life. Amen? And so I want to encourage you, pick this up. And I figure if you pay a little something for it, you'll probably read it, okay? So here's what I want to do today. Today is going to be super foundational. You're not going to leave today going, okay, so i got to fill out this worksheet, and if I do this thing and this budget thing, and I'm going to fix this, and then we're going to get a debt, we're going to do this. That's not what's going to happen today. We've got some things that we're going to help you throughout this series to take next steps when it comes to your finances and kind of ordering them in a way that God can bless them. Today what I want to do is I've got to lay a very foundational concept. So my hope and prayer is that today when you leave is that you're going to have something inside that you're going to have to really mill over. It is a single concept that we have to get before we walk in God's blessing with our finances. And that is this single phrase. God is the owner. I am the manager. God is the owner. I'd write that down. If you don't hear anything else I say today, this one concept, if you will get this, then you're going to be on your way. God is the owner, I am the manager. Everybody, would you say it out loud with me? Come on. God is the owner, I am the. Now, here's the thing. We kind of, on the surface, let's just be honest, especially for Christians, we kind of go, yeah, I, I guess that's true. But what I want to say is, in reality, most of us don't believe that. Like, in reality, when it comes to our lives, we kind of, we, there's a, a disconnect. And what I wanted to do, just to kind of unpack this, is I want to share with you really, and I want in a way that I guess I hope that we finally grasp this concept. In order to do that, we need to go to the source. We need to go to the beginning. In fact, if you have your Bible with you, would you open up to the first page? Okay, maybe not the table of contents or the copyright stuff. Open to the first page of Genesis, the first book. I want to look at the first verse because there is so much truth packed into one little verse. In fact, the first five words of the first verse of the Bible really unpacks this truth that we need to get inside of us. Okay? It's real simple. Maybe if you know it, you could just say the first five words with me. All right? In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, who created? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything you see, the ground you walk on, the air you breathe, the sunshine you feel, Everything, the stars in the sky at night, the moon, everything you see. And, and listen, I know for some of you are like, oh, my, okay, we know that. We got that. Okay, maybe you're someone who, who, who already said, I, I got that. That's, that's great. I believe all that. Here's the thing. God owns it all. The challenge is sometimes we forget that. We do. In fact, there's a... Um, there's a TV show that I, I enjoy watching. Uh, in fact, I got, I got Hunter hooked on it. It's called Shark Tank. You all seen Shark Tank? That's a great show. If you like business or you just kind of love that stuff, and entrepreneurs, and, you know, I, I love that kind of spirit. And so on, on Shark Tank, have you ever seen it? There's these billionaires that are sitting there, and people come pitch I- new ideas. And they come up with, like, new inventions, new products that they thought of, dreamed of, manufactured, took it to market, started a business, And one of the questions that the billionaires, the sharks, often ask when you create a new product, they'll ask this, do you have a patent for that? You know what a patent is, right? It's where you file with the federal government saying, I started this, I created this, I made this. This is unique. I'm the only one that came up with this. I have full rights to this. No one else can duplicate this. This is mine. I own it. It's a patent, right? Can I ask you a question? What if God patented every single thing that he made? What if God held a patent on everything that he made so that if you wanted to build a house, you had to pay royalties? If you wanted to buy some dirt, you had to pay royalties, like, like we forget about this. Like, the every single thing, every resource that is at our disposal was made by God. He holds the patent. Please, please don't miss this. God holds the patent. And do you know in our culture today, the most coveted commodities are not man-made. They're natural resources. Anybody that's lived a little bit of life will tell you that. The most coveted commodities in our world today, the most, um, the, the most worthwhile commodities in our life today are, are natural resources. They are God-made resources. The gold, you know, gold, standard, standard of, of really our money, we pull that out of the ground. Oil, coal, natural gas, we have to get those resources and mine those out of the ground. Do you know, like, everything that we build, the wood that we use, the steel that we use, The sand to mix concrete that we use? Do you realize everything that we have constructed and we have made, God holds the patent on it? I'm just trying to, I know this feels so elementary, but why am I just living in this for a moment? Because here's why. Because though God made everything and God holds the patent, you know what we say all the time? I own this, I own that property. My name's on the deed. I know, you just didn't pay royalties to God. I, I own this. I built this. I made this. I earned this. I put I built this business from the ground up. It was my idea. It was my No, can I just say something? We we think that because we have it in our possession, we think because we get it in a paycheck, we think because we live inside of it or maybe our hands even drove the nails into the wood that we think it's ours. Why well, on that That's my estate. This is my bank account. That's my portfolio. That's mine. I get all of that, and I understand. I'm not trying to say that it's not in your possession. I'm not trying to say that you don't hold the deed. I'm not trying to say you didn't work hard, and you didn't get what you deserve, and all that good stuff. What I'm trying to really ask you to really process today is this. Do you really own it? Like, is it really yours? I'm just asking. Because if it is really yours, then no one could take it away from you. You hear me? If it is really yours, no one can take it away from you. They can take it away from you. No matter what happens, you no know how bad it gets, no one can take it. You're know, like, oh, I own my piece of property free and clear. Nobody can take it away from me. Okay. Unless we ever get invaded and somebody comes and then they take over and kick us out. I mean, but, but hopefully that will never happen, right? I mean, if I own it, then no one can take it out of my hands. Okay, that might be a good argument. I just want to ask you this one question, just one question. What happens when you die? Well, I pass it on, and I So cho- so are you saying then you don't own it at that moment? Because you chose to do something with it? No, I'm just asking, wh- what happens when, when you pass on? I'm, I'm trying to step back, and I know this might say elementary, but I, I'm really, we need to get this inside of us. Because this is one of the greatest struggles and one of the reasons why we, we have a fight or a tension in our lives when it comes to our money. Okay? Whose is it anyways? Let me, let me read to you a verse because Paul said this. And I, I don't want you to just to think I make this stuff up. But I love the way Paul illustrated. Now, this is just a fact of life that Paul illustrated in 1 Timothy 6, verse 7. Okay? Here, here's what he said. It's real simple. He said, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take what out of it? Nothing. I know, Paul isn't even coming up with some new concept or theological concept. He's explaining life. When you were born, you came with nothing. You didn't have any clothes. You had no money. You had no car, no education. You have nothing, right? When you're born. And when you die, what do you take with you? Nothing. You can't take it with you, it stays here. Here's why. Because we are playing in God's sandbox. He's not in our world, we're in his. We're passing through. I can't take it with me. You can't take it with you. And sometimes, though, we forget about it. That's all I'm trying to do is remind us today that it's not yours. I'm just trying to remind you of that. Sometimes as parents, don't we have to remind our kids of this? Sometimes, don't you have to remind your children? When they start to go, uh, stay out of my room your room. You ever had to say that, parents? Your room. You built this. You pay the mortgage. I need to remind you, you're living in what I own. Amen, parents? And then you'll even say, I brought you into this world. Hello? I can take you out of it, right? Sometimes I felt like this is, just, this is all I'm trying to do today. You're going to say this was the most elementary message that you've ever heard me preach. All I'm trying to do is remind us that you didn't bring anything into God's world, and you can't take anything out of it. Here's the truth. God owns it. So, God created the heavens and the earth. And it goes on to say in Genesis 1, all the things that God created. And He created the land and He separated it from the water and the heavens and put the stars in their place. And He created the sun and He he put trees on the ground and vegetation. And He built and He created animals and the fish and the birds and the sea and all these good stuff. God created all of those things. And then when He gets down to the pinnacle of creation, you and me, this is so incredibly important. I just want you to hear this. It says in verse 27, so God created human beings. In his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. That's us. He created them. Verse 28. Then God did what? Then God. Come on, say it a little better than that. Then God. Then God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and do what? Govern it. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, open your eyes, look. I have given. Who gave it? God. I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to illustrate something. I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. God has the ability to bless our lives. We see it in Genesis 1. God looked at mankind after he made us and he blessed them. And out of his blessing flowed two commands two commands that came out of the blessing here's what it was first one have lots and lots of babies now at the time when God created mankind that made a lot of sense there weren't a lot of people fill the earth we've done a pretty good job of doing that right and and, but he said out of that blessing fill the he said fill the earth now listen I think most parents we agree right and the Bible tells us that children are a blessing from the Lord and I think most of us parents would agree most of the time (laughs) children are a blessing from the Lord right Second command he gave was this, govern the earth. What was he doing? He says, I'm putting you in charge. You're in charge. I'm putting you in charge. So I want everybody to say this out loud. God owns it. it. I manage it. it. Come on, say it again. God owns it, it. I manage it. Come on, turn to somebody next to you and say, you are middle management. You're middle management. You are the middle manager. I'm wanting this to sink in. I'm just kind of living here for a little bit. God owns it. And until we get this fundamental basic truth, we will not know how to live a blessed life. Until we let go of saying, I own it. But then we accept responsibility. Now, here's what happens when you become a manager. I'm going to tell you this. Not only do you usually make more, but you have more responsibility. And listen, I want you to hear this. How we manage what God puts into our hands matters. How do I know that? Because what you put into somebody else's hands matters to you. L- let me illustrate it this way. If you hire somebody to manage your retirement portfolio, do you care how they manage it yes or no heck yeah if you hire someone to watch and take care of your children do you care how they take care of your children you bet you do when you Hire someone. When you bring someone in to manage your business that you created, that you started, or whatever it is, do you care how they manage your money, your resources, and your business? You bet you do. Then why do we think that God does not care how we manage the resources he puts into our hands? Of course he does. And if we want ourselves to be in a position where we can continue to bless our lives, we need to understand what it means to be a middle management. In fact, I want to show you today, in just the time we have left, and it's going to be brief, I want to show you what Jesus taught us. Jesus actually taught his disciples about this principle. This is so important. A lot of people say, come on, is it that big a deal to talk about finances, to talk about stewardship? Yeah, because it was one of the most talked about subjects that Jesus brought up, our money and our possessions. Jesus talked about it all the time because it matters to us. And it matters to God. And I want to share a story from Luke chapter 16. If you brought your Bible, you can write this down, this passage. Maybe you'll reflect on it. Luke 16, there is a story. And I love how Jesus tells stories. He tells narration. He tells uh, parables to help illustrate some truth or a principle about God. That's what the story is. And in Luke 16, verse 1, here's what the story goes. Jesus taught his disciples using this story. It says, There was once a very rich man... Who hired a manager to run his business and oversee all of his wealth? So we've got a rich man. By the way, I'm gonna tell you right now, the rich man represents God in this story. And he hires a manager. What are we? We are the managers, okay? It says, but soon a rumor spread that the manager was wasting his master's money. So the master called him in and said, Is it true? That you are mismanaging my estate. You need to provide me with a complete audit of everything you oversee for me. Because I've decided, based on the rumors, to dismiss you. Now, these are things you never want to hear your boss say. (laughs) You know the feeling you get when they call you into the office? You know what I mean? Um, Here it is. Jesus is telling us a story. And I love stories because we can relate to stories. He says, imagine there's a man who's very wealthy. He owns a lot. Okay? Okay. And he hires a manager to oversee all of his business affairs, puts him in charge, so he is middle management, okay? Puts him in charge of everything, and then he hears, finds out, that he is mismanaging his master's money. He's wasting it. He's doing stupid things. He's blowing it. He's, okay, irresponsible, however you want to say it. When he finds out, he basically says to him, I'm calling you to give me an account of how you're managing I want to see exactly what you're doing with it now I want to say this right because Jesus is telling this story and he's illustrating a real truth I'll be honest I often overlook the thought or idea that God cares how I spend my money I mean if I give to God come on at least give a tithe it doesn't matter and all of a sudden I kind of felt convicted by this, that, that God at some point is going to ask me that he's entrusting his stuff, because God owns it, I manage it, into my hands. He's going to ask me to give an account of how I manage it. Now, let me just say this. I believe in, even in this story, which is about money, but I believe it goes beyond that. I believe that I'm going to be responsible to God for how I manage my relationships, how I've managed my children. How I've managed my witness, how I've managed this church, how I've ma- Listen, I listen—I really believe that we give an account to God for that. And so, this is something we need to—we need to realize. And so, here's what happens in the story. I'm just going to tell you a little bit, paraphrase but you can read on your own. The manager freaks out. I don't lose my job. Oh no, my gosh! What am I going to do? And so, it says in the next several verses. He does something really sly, really shrewd, kind of cutting, a little deceitful. He goes around to all of the debtors, people that owe money to his master. He says, quick, take your bill, cut it. I'm giving you a huge discount. Here's why he did this. He did this so they would like him. So if he gets fired, then he'll have some friends. That's pretty smart. And and before you go, that is awful. First of all, you should never do that. I just want to remind you that the master put him in charge, so he actually had the right to do it. He just maybe shouldn't have done it. Now, here's what's so fascinating to me, because Jesus is telling the story. He's making it up and so he can, you know, tell it how he wants. And Jesus says something in verse 8 that it was so incredible to me. He said, even though his master was defrauded, even though this guy went and offered discounts that he really had no business offering to people, he said when he found out about the shrewd way this manager had feathered his own nest, he did a little, or maybe he said, hey, just pay me a little on the side, or, you know, we'll just discount it. He said he congratulated the clever scoundrel. I just love the language. I'm using this translation because it's fun. He congratulated the clever scoundrel for what he had done to lay up for his future needs. Now, this kind of blew my mind. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I was wrestling with this one for a while. The guy is underhanded. The guy does all of this stuff. And Jesus says that the master says, well, that's pretty smart. I, I don't know. Congratulations. You're, you're definitely not dumb. I mean, you, you've been irresponsible, but you're not dumb. And I thought, why in the world would Jesus, in telling this story, say God or the master would congratulate him for being deceitful and being a scoundrel? Why would he congratulate him? And here's why. For maybe the first time ever, this guy stopped thinking about right now and started thinking about the future. Don't miss this in the story. Finally, this guy stopped thinking about how he was living right now, and he started thinking about tomorrow. And the reason why this is so important is because the reason why we so often get into trouble financially is because we're living for right now and not for tomorrow. I hope you just received that. There's wisdom in that. The whole reason why, come on, let's be honest. How many of you have ever made a purchase that you regretted raise your hand come on be honest come on if you haven't that you ought to come and just take care of my finances I just want I could really use some help then who hasn't who hasn't went out and bought something because I really want this right now only to kind of get it into the parking lot or the driveway or the garage and go oh why did I do that why do we buy such a big house why did we go on this vacation we're paying for it for the next five years I think he congratulated him for the first time ever. He started to not just think about right now, but he thought about the future. And so then he goes on and he says this. Now here's where Jesus begins to turn it for us in the story in verse 9. He says, Is it he said, it is important that you use the wealth of this world to demonstrate your friendship with God by get this winning friends and doing what? Blessing others. Please don't miss this because this is so important to what we're talking about. He says, then when this world fails and falls apart, your generosity will provide you with an eternal reward. And I believe that Jesus is trying to teach that we are to use earthly resources to resource heaven. We are to use earthly resources to resource heaven. The whole reason... Why God wants to bless us, besides the fact that he loves you, you're his child, and as a parent wants to pour out his blessing on you, but why would we live beyond blessed? Why would God give us more than enough, not just my provider, but more than enough? Let me tell you why. So that we will bless others. So we'll bless others. And so we will take the overflow of God's blessing in our lives and it will go beyond just ourselves. Do you see that? And I want to close with this passage. Again, today, all I'm trying to do is, is dig some footers for you. God owns it and I manage it. But in verses 10 through 12, please listen to these words. How we manage it matters in the eyes of God. And I, I pray, listen, I don't want this message or this series and please to, to feel like heavy, convicting, or condemning. I want this series to set us free. That's what I want. I, I want to be challenged and I've been challenged even in preparing for this, reading Pastor Roberts' book. I'm going to tell you right now, I was challenged deeply in different areas of my life and how we're operating our finances. Challenged. And, and I pray that we would grasp this on a... A supernatural level. Not just dollars and cents and, and bank accounts and zeros, but, but I, I hope we understand the real like heart that God has behind this. And Jesus said these words of verse 10 through 12: the one who manages the little that has been given with faithfulness and integrity, check this out, will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities how do i how do i advance in god's kingdom how do i move up the middle or beyond the one who is faithful with little can be trusted with more this is the whole purpose why jesus told this story he said but those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more why am i saying this because i know this about you You want God to continually bless your life. And I'm just trying to show you what Jesus said about this. Verse 11, if you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spiritual world? And if you have not been proven faithful with what belongs to another, how about what belongs to God? Why should you be given wealth of your own? Here's what I know. You and I, I don't even have to ask it. We want to live in the favor and the blessing of God. I do. Not just on my finances. I want to experience it in my life with my wife and with my kids, with this church, with the calling that God has on my life, with the friends He's put into my life, with the impact that I can make with the finances and the resources God has given to me. I, I want to be faithful with it. And before I can be faithful with it, I need to understand that it's his in the first place. So how I manage it matters. How we manage everything God's put into our possession matters. And this is what it means to live beyond blessed. Listen, living beyond blessed, I think as Pastor Robert says in this book, it, to me is it's not having more than you need to just pay your bills, more than you need for what you want. And I do believe that God gives us financial blessings so we can enjoy life. Don't get don't me wrong. I really do believe that. But I believe the ultimate reason is so that we can bless others. Amen? Come on, do you agree with that? I know this is challenging, but, but do you agree with that? I want to experience the blessing of God, but we have to understand why he wants to bless us and how to live it out so that we can experience it in a proper and healthy way. Amen? Amen. Would you just pray with me today? God, I... I know that this message series, God, is going to be freeing. I believe that to many people. God, I believe that what you are going to do in us, Lord, could literally bring us to a place of living full of joy, not living stressed, but being blessed. And what that looks like, not for selfish gain, and not just to be rich, and not just to have more and bigger, but God, God, ultimately so that we can be a blessing, so that we can store up for you treasures and for us in heaven, earthly reward. God, I pray that today you would give us an eternal perspective on our finances, on the resources you put in our relationships. God, that that we would be maybe challenged, maybe it's not with money, but God, we'd be challenged in other areas of the the people you've put into our lives. Am I managing? Am I loving? Am I caring? Am I forgiving? Am I doing these things well, God? I'm just holding out or holding a grudge or whatever. God, I pray that we're challenged by your spirit, Lord, to know what it looks like to manage what you have entrusted to us well. Father, I believe that this series is going to be life-changing. And so as we go on this journey together, God, would you just prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirit, Lord, to receive what you want us to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. Come on, let's give God praise for his word today.